Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Welcome to another edition of Any Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler, and today I'm joined by Tony East of, you know, a myriad of acclaimed uh, publications <laughs> and, and, and podcasts, notably Lockdown Pacers, The Fieldhouse, West Indianapolis Community News, and I always forget one of the four. Um, <laughs> Tony, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm happy to, to be here, part of the, the off-season Mark Schindler Podcast extraordinaires that I'm sure there will be many before there the will be many. Again, we're uh, so. we're gonna see what's what's gonna happen. I I won't have to cut <laughs> that out. I guess now that I think about it because uh, they're all gonna drop at the same time. So oh, there you go. Yeah, oh, you didn't I didn't pull my that was yeah, No, something. you're good. It's uh, <laughs> trying to scoop me before I can even get. I know. Out there, man. Can you believe that? Yeah. So um. So today, uh, we're gonna be talking about the Pacers trade market, and with just for the record, that's not just gonna be random, you know, trade machine trades. I I want to talk about good. Uh, well, yeah, because I mean that's that's easy stuff that we can do. You can go on Twitter if you want to find that stuff. It is early September, and I have already fed up with the trade machine. I've been fed timeline. up with the trade machine since like February because everything would be uh, Miles Turner for like a second round pick and cap filler. <laughs> I, I understand people like wanting the the team they're a fan of to be better, but I don't understand the massive infatuation with trades. It's like, yeah, man, what? Who cares? Like. <laughs> If they yeah, trade them, they trade them, but they'll let's see if they can get better for, I don't know, whatever. But exactly. I do like talking about trade values. I think that that's is exactly what, that's what I want to talk about today. Cause I think, um, obviously this is not anything that, that is going to be aggregated or it should not be aggregated. I'm putting that out there. <laughs> we we are, are not, we're insiders, but not insiders. We're just going to talk about with the roster. I mean, I think, um, I have a couple of main points I want to hit, but I want to talk about first the kind of trade value, um, some of the guys on the Pacers roster and who we think might get moved and, and why, because I think that's important when looking at trades, because obviously, you know, you can throw whoever you want in the trade machine, but um, you have to think about what that actually does if that guy's not there. Um, so obviously, I mean, KP talked about in his, his press conference, and I should just specify Kevin Pritchard just in case somebody doesn't realize who KP is. Um, but, you know, he specified that he thinks it's going to be a very active trade market and he didn't necessarily say the Pacers in general, but, I mean, I don't think he would have said that if he didn't mean this team was going to be active in the trade market. And honestly, by all accounts, I'd be pretty surprised if they're not going to be active in the trade market this offseason. Yeah, that was actually in response to my question, which made me happy. Because <laughs> that's, I, didn't, you know, I don't want to hear him talk about the activity of the trade market per se. But the question that led to him saying that was, you know, you're, this is his first summer without cap space or fall, I guess, this time. But. Uh, since taking over the Pacers, like I know he's been over the cap of the Blazers before and stuff, but it's a different kind of team building challenge, small market, no cap space. So I was like, okay, what do you do to get better? And he talked about the MLE and all that kind of stuff. You know, maybe they can trade to the draft, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, he talked about the trade market specifically and how it could be active. And his preface was sort of under the, not the guys, but under the, the facade of, you know, with this free agency period being kind of funky and not a lot of cap space in the league and all that kind of stuff, like teams could view trades as their way to get better instead of having to maybe spend more when they 
can't normally spend more or something like that. And I thought that was a good point because if teams aren't willing to, to spend, if they can keep their financials somewhat stable just by swapping money, but possibly getting better fits or something, which is applicable to the Pacers, ironically, then yeah, I actually, that makes a lot of sense to me that trades could be a trade heavy offseason in general because teams aren't really going to try to clear space anyway. So most trades will be fit for fit stuff. So I, yeah, I like that assessment. I thought that was cool. And definitely you're right that he was talking about the league um, and I just was too, but applicable to the Pacers because of the storylines that I'm sure we'll get to uh, momentarily. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing that I want to talk about right away, I mean, first of all, I brought you on for this because I know you really enjoy team building as well. I think that's what I love. It's so fascinating. (laughs) to me, just like thinking about, especially with a team like the Pacers being a small market, um, like the way that they have to build teams. And I think especially with the Pacers, it's all about winning on the margins and trying to do some of the small things like uh, trading. Obviously, the TJ Warren trade is a massively heightened version of it. But, you know, that's that's how you win on the margins. You trade right. for guys who are more injury prone or haven't worked out yet. And you just bank on player development and having one of the best injury uh, recovery staffs in the league. Um but the first thing I want to talk about is, uh, is Miles Turner, Turner and Domas Bonus because I think those are the two guys who get thrown into the, in, into the um, NBA trade machine all the time. <laughs> uh, anytime I'm on Twitter, I think that's, those are the first guys I see in there. Um, and so I think there's a kind of, I don't want to say a misconception, but I think obviously it's, it's not really, uh, it's, it's not exactly galaxy brain stuff to say that Domas Bonus is at the moment a better player than Miles Turner. Um, and obviously this team is looking to, I, you know, we've talked about it before, you know, just outside in Twitter DMs or whatever, but um, we'd both be surprised if, if, uh, if both centers are on the roster for the start of next season, it, unless you, if you change your mind on that. No, 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 I'm still there. So, you know, I'm, I'm not correcting you, but I think surprised is like the wrong word, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's more likely than not one of them gets moved, but if they were both here, I'd be like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think the expectation definitely is that somebody's yes, going to get moved. I like that. And I yes, think I am anticipating that a trade is more likely than not, but I, I would not be like, whoa, they didn't, tr-, you know, they didn't do it really, you know. I yeah, yeah, exactly. They have them okay, on long-term deals for a reason. Yeah. If you get a, if, if, okay, so let's put it like this. If we get uh, a Woj bomb saying that one of these guys got moved, I'd be less surprised than the Woj bomb I got today when Steve Nash got hired as the Nets head. Yes, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Substantially. Yes. Exactly. So <laughs> when looking at these two guys, though, I want to talk about how, just by my own estimation, I, well, Domas is definitely clearly a better player. I think Miles has more trade value. Wow. Um, and so I let me just hear me out first. I wow. Think the, obviously, it's, it's difficult to look at it in some ways. You think a better player would have more marketability on the trade, trade, trade market, right? Um, but I think you have to look at it as Domas, the offense is like completely built around him as we saw that in the playoffs. You know, he used a, the complete focal point hub of the offense, uh, got the six most touches in the league this year. Um, and Miles is obviously there are some, you know, as, as we know, watching the games, there's a lot that he can iron out and he still has a lot of potential, um, but it doesn't always flash with it. Domas does but part partially because his role has been so inconsistent. Um, but I think he scales so much better to a team than yeah. if somebody came out to, to trade for Demonis and especially because he has shooting and he can protect the rim. And those are two things that are so highly marketable. Uh, teams are always looking for that. And especially when it's packaged together, I mean, I think that's really, you know, that's hard to replace. 
Um, so I do think more teams would be willing to throw assets to acquire miles. That's just my opinion. I wonder what you think about that because I think it's not always about like how good a player is. I think fit is really important to it as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think Turner fits on any team and scheme basically. Like even if we saw with the Pacers this year, he was playing out of position and fit eventually when he figured it out and his defense will be welcome on any team. Like a team that I see that like people who cover them, you know, in our capacity, maybe not like on the beat, but really connected stuff like that, that I see that once miles is the Timberwolves. Right. And mm-hmm. some people I talk to who cover the Pacers, like, you know, why they have Carl Anthony towns. Well, that's sort of the thing that you're saying here is like any team, he scales, you can throw him in and go, okay, you're the four on offense and guarding this guy or okay, cat you're doing this now. And he can do good or well, and he's young and you'll have him for a while. All that's really valuable. Any team, like if Carl Anthony Towns' team wants Miles Turner, like basically any team is going to want Miles unless they have, you know, Jokic and Bede, whatever. So I do agree with you there that because, you know, there could be a bidding war or because he fits super well basically anywhere, his value is probably higher league-wide than it is to the Pacers, which helps his trade value. But I think with Sabonis, like, we just saw Capella get moved this year for a decent chunk. And Sabonis can do all the stuff Capella does, probably a little better even. I mean, besides dunking, I would say. Yeah, and jumping. Yeah, jump, jumping. That's a good way to put it. But he's still, because of his strength, just as good in general on the glass. But he's more skilled than that. Like, I still think Sabonis has that value to a team that is like the Hornets maybe or even the Hawks if they hadn't traded for Capella or – Someone who's just like, man, if we, the Celtics, if we're like, wow, if we got a center, wow, we would be awesome now. If we got this pick and roll threat and a guy who can guard fives in a way that we don't have. And so while I do agree that, again, Miles fits on more teams, I think Sabonis' value to the teams that need him is still high enough that he would fetch more. Okay, yeah. All right, that's a better way of putting it. I think I meant more like, yeah, I should have phrased that better. Um, uh, doing my double take really quick. Um, <laughs> if no, you yeah. sum the value that every team would be willing to give for the guys, yes, maybe Miles' 29 total value is higher. Yes, I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's where it comes to for me. Um, I would personally lean more on Miles is probably who's going to get traded. Um, I think so too. I, I just think it makes more sense. And I think he's slightly less money. I don't have the values right in front of me. I think it's almost the same. Like They're close enough, yeah, that effectively for trade purposes, it's and, the same. Yeah, and also one thing I just thought about, because um, the league year doesn't reset until the dra- until draft night, right? Two days after the draft, yep. Two days after the draft, right. So uh, Domas still has the poison pill provision, which makes him way harder to yes. move to this team until yes. then. And for those who don't know, the poison pill provision <laughs> is why guys are really hard to move when they sign a new deal. And it's in the first – the year right before that deal starts. So it's uh, – I don't, I don't remember the exact percentages. It's like a team can only take back like um, – they can't take back any extra money when trading a guy off. So that way you can't um, – like teams – like a team like the Sixers, if they were to – obviously they're not going to trade for Domas. But if they traded for Domas, they're already like way over the cap. But if you could trade for his value this year and just take his deal under the tax for next year – I mean over the tax for next year, they'd be able to just stockpile talent like crazy. Poison pill provision allows that to not happen. So right. that's, that's basically the whole idea behind it. Um, yep. So, yeah, so that makes it even more likely that, I mean, obviously he could get traded after the draft, but a lot of the times we're going to see trades happen before the draft because then free agency is going to 
go wild after. And this year's free agency is going to be nuts, man. I honestly like, I cannot wait. I also can wait because I know it's going to be like a crazy, like it's only like six days this year, isn't it? Yeah. Pacers fans get hyped for your woe to midnight bomb of signing. Like, <laughs> I don't even know Marvin Williams or something. <laughs> yeah. the, the hey, I, guy actually, this I think that wouldn't be bad. I think Marvin, I, I was really hopeful. <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I was like, I am thrilled for a boring free agency after the last couple roller coasters of Pacers summers. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, this is going to be a slow free agency for, for the Pacers for sure. Um, but so looking, you know, so now that we have that ironed out, um, I want to talk also just looking at the roster as well. Somebody who I think uh, has a lot of potential to get moved and it's more, it's this is more pronounced with the Celtics and it was talked about a lot around the trade deadline. Cause they were like everybody's darling team. Like, Oh, they need a center. They need a center. Um, well, Daniel Tice is there. Um, but they only have, they, they're very top loaded with the deals that they have. So everybody's on close to a max um, and, or they they're on like a rookie extension that that's pretty high. So it's harder to trade those deals because obviously it's a lot more money because they don't have any of the mid-tier deals. So like Marcus Smart is the closest yep. to that, but he's borderline untradeable for them because of how important he is to what they do. <laughs> um, obviously people will debate that, but I think he's probably, I mean, in terms of importance on that team, he's huge. Um, but you look at the Pacers and there are quite a few mid-tier deals. Obviously I'd say TJ Warren, there's no way that unless like somebody threw like the first overall pick, I don't even know if they trade TJ for that with this draft. Um, I don't know. I'm all, all that one out there. <laughs> the Warriors trade exception for number two. I've seen people float that around, and I don't get why either team would really do that. But yeah. you know what? Sure. Well, yeah. That, with where the Pacers value seems fine. Makes sense. Um, but I think Doug McDermott is a potential guy who gets traded, in my nice. opinion. If the team wants to say, if the team like wants to, we'll talk about it later. But if they're trading for like a guy who's close to a max, who's making like twenty, twenty-seven or twenty-eight million dollars. You have to lump somebody in with with whoever gets traded, presumably one of the centers. And Doug's deal fits like perfectly with that. And also, I wonder if they'd be more willing to move him just because he's really struggling in the playoffs uh, both years that he's been with the Pacers. Putting it kindly. Yeah, that's putting, putting it very kindly. Basically. Yeah, he's, we get uh, the problem is that we get home McDermott uh, when we <laughs> go into the playoffs instead of away McDermott. Um, no kidding. And for those who aren't aware, there is a very pronounced difference that's then the entire time that Doug's been a pacer, uh, he shoots like 15% higher uh, away than he does at home from, from three. And it's like pronounced, like it's very clear. Um, I think you were the first person I saw that put that out there. And I, I followed that along. This Two season. seasons in a row. Yeah, it's been nuts, man. Like it's, he shoots like almost 48% uh, away and like 33, 34% at home. Yeah. It's crazy with his for his trade value. I think it's interesting because his first season with the Pacers was kind of a mess, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't really know how to use him. And then we were doing a Locked On Podcast Network like mock draft, and the Jazz David Locke offered their first round pick. It was late, I think it was twenty five or twenty six for McDermott. And I was like, Whoa, "What first? You know, does he know who Doug McDermott is?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, sorry, I missed this. Like, are you sure?" And we didn't. He traded it for some other shooter, but. You know, I, I think that obviously McDermott proved his work to the Pacers this year in the regular season. His, like we just said, his playoffs mess. So that's why you'd maybe consider him expendable. But, you know, teams value shooting a ton, even if, 
he hasn't been perfect for the Pacers or anything. Like only $7 million isn't that much. And for a guy who can really shoot it and has shown that you know, he can fake it and take one off the dribble to the rim like twice a game. And, and he's not Duncan Robinson necessarily, but he, he can work on defense way better than, say, Corver, who got 2.5 mil last summer, or guys like Corver that. Corver got torched last night as well. Yeah. Was oh, my atrocious. gosh. He has been atrocious. I would love season. to know why. Yeah. It was a, a, that's like a Darius Miller is worse than McDermott off the bounce, and he got $7 million from the Pelicans. Like Teams love shooters, uh, especially if they don't have any. So McDermott, I think, does have maybe, maybe not that late first value. I thought that was – pretty rosy but something good you know and so if, if even if he's just being lumped away to free up a rotation spot so like Justin Holiday's now your backup three or four and then you've got Sumner or something you know something like that or or he's being like you said aggregated into a bigger deal where now all of a sudden you're turning you know a bigger salary guy into a near max player I think he has positive value in those trades to help move them along in, in a productive way. And I don't, I don't think that, you know, they like hunt McDermott trades or anything, but I think because of that unique situation where he offers you positive value and can be aggregated pretty easily. They, yeah. There, there actually is a, a decent chance he gets, he could be moved if they shake things up. Yeah. That's when I've thought about a ton because it just, it, it makes sense. And I, I, I agree. I think the team would be um, not super into moving Doug, especially given the regular season, but, and I don't want to put too much of what happened in the playoffs on him. The whole bench was just a, heaping pile of dog shit so it was um i mean without domas they would they would never really found their way um but i do think it would make them more willing to do it and especially because you need to have that top top level talent but um i don't know how willing they would be to move jeremy because he's the only other mid jeremy lamb because he's the only other mid-level deal really um pre-injury i thought that he could be the guy you just described mcdermott as like the salary balance to get yeah, whoever to the thirty million trade group, but now that he's hurt, I th- even if he can be back by December, like KP said, which would be awesome. Uh, I don't think that he has positive value in the way that yeah. we just talked about McDermott having. So I think he'd actually hurt <laughs> the total trade package. So I used to think he could be that mid-salary guy, but now I now I do not think that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It'll just be interesting to see how things shake out. And also, I mean, there's just really not going to be a lot of, like we mentioned earlier, there's not really a lot of money flexibility. Um, There are some things that the, the, we're not really going to get into right now, but there are some things that the team could do to maybe cut down, like maybe McConnell gets, they don't guarantee McConnell's money for next year, um, which that's a whole other story. And uh, Justin Holiday may not be back. I mean, there's a million ways that things could go and the team still would probably uh, be pretty, pretty capped to do anything. Um, but in terms of looking now at actual trades, so like things that are real and viable, we're not going to like actually construct a trade, but we're going to talk about yeah. some of, yeah, well, that's, that's the, it's, I think what's hard with it is that it's so objective. I mean, subjective to like create a trade. Cause like, I remember somebody, I was actually doing a mock draft the other day um, and somebody offered me from, Ah, oh, crap. I can't remember. I think it was uh, to get Drew Holiday. Somebody wanted Malcolm Brogdon and two first round picks, which I was like, no, that doesn't, no. that doesn't make any sense. Um, Hang up. So, but, but then again, it's like, it's totally, it's totally subjective. You know, it's, it's up to the yeah. person. Um, but in terms of looking at popular Pacers Twitter guys, I want to just talk about them really quick. And uh, cause I've looked at how they would actually fit with the team. And I have uh, some, 
thoughts on them. And I'd love to hear what you think as well. Cause I know Aaron okay. Gordon is the one guy who always just gets to, him and Aaron like Matt Orlando magic, Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Orlando magic, Aaron Gordon always gets talked about to the Pacers. Um, I think it's way less likely now with Jonathan Mass. Isaac out for next year. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. I'm kind of in the same boat. I think it, you know, obviously it depends who you keep, but the idea of him with presumably if miles gets moved, um, Aaron Gordon in the same front court with, with Domas would be rough for me, man. Um, he's such every year. Team. It's like, he, he's still young. Like, you know, all the magic people are like, see, he's still young. He could grow. I'm like, well, it's been four years. It's like with miles. It's like, no, this is year three or four of him being the same dude. Like <laughs> I'm not willing to bet. He's just going to magically get better. If he comes to a different. Yeah. Team. Yeah. And I did. So I did a film breakdown on him and did like a, a pretty, I, I spent way too much time. I think I had like 30 clips in my article on him. Wow. It was, yeah, dude, I went way into the weeds. Um, Because the Magic, if you aren't aware of this, I think you do, but uh, just to anybody listening, if you weren't aware of this, the Magic had the number one offense in the NBA from February until the bubble um, after having like a bottom 20 offense. I mean, bottom 10 offense in the league uh, prior to that. And Aaron Gordon kind of got the keys of the offense, not in terms of like running pick and rolls or anything, but he did a lot of what Tomas Bonus does, operating from, you know, the high post, mid post, did a lot of stuff from the top of the key in terms of just passing. And he's actually got really good feel. He's a solid passer, but he has horrendous tunnel vision. Uh, and he, as a defender, he's a guy who like if he – I think if his role was more optimized and he was like somebody who was told, okay, you, you're going to play defense and you're the fifth guy on offense. I think that he could be an all NBA defender, but he's like so rarely engaged off ball. Um, and I think part of that's, you know, just focus on offense. Um, yeah. But he's not the level of defender that I think some people think he is just because he's not consistent. Um, and maybe that would change if he's on a different team, but I'd, I'd be very wary if he is with the Pacers because he actually, I think he's in the top 20 in the league with post touches this year. Like wow. a lot, a ton of post touches, lots of, he loves taking like 10 foot faders. My chair is so loud. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear it. Oh, you must I be- just shifted my chair and people at, people I work with can hear it like on teams. Called oh, really? Like then Yeah, it's super loud. No way. Great no podcast, con- podcast content here. With no, dude, yeah. it happens to me all the time. My chair, <laughs> I, it's, it's my, normally it's my dog. So you got a chair. My dog always decides to interrupt, but I took him on a run before, uh, where I got in here so worked out all right yeah I, I used to like AG a little bit more although I've never really been pro the Pacers swinging for him and now I'm even less so that so I'm glad I was patient and I'm at the magic are probably not glad they were patient so yeah we'll yeah, see where that one goes do I need to throw out guys is this like around no table no or? I got I got one more and then we can then we can start throwing okay out okay but um the second one Gordon Hayward always gets mentioned to the Pacers um I'm like I don't know I think Gordon Hayward was really good this year um, better than I think he got recognition for, but maybe not quite as good. Because obviously his numbers were incredible. He was like the fourth guy on that offense. The season might not even be over. Extremely efficient. Yeah, he might be back. Uh, because Boston is looking like I, rolling. I Paul Pierce it, but he, they're looking like they're going to run away with it against the Raptors. Um, but I mean, he was good. Uh, but I just I question what he would be like with this team because he's making 30 million, just over 30 expiring. Million. Right. Yeah. Next year's his last yeah. year. So he'll yeah. expire. And that's one thing right away when I'm like, okay, well, why would you trade a guy who's locked up for four years is six years younger than Gordon Hayward and has a decent amount of potential for somebody who's expiring and might not even resign. Yes. Gordon's from Indiana, but you know, you never know if somebody's going to actually resign. Um, so, while I think he could be an interesting fit 
and he provides another guy who can do some stuff on ball while being solid off ball. Um, I don't really think it moves the needle enough to warrant moving uh, either a, you know, a Sabonis or, or a Turner or anybody else would be involved in that. Yeah, that's the problem is I actually like his fit a decent amount. I think he's good and he can do more than, you know, the, the Celtics have so many good ball handlers that like he doesn't have to do it and it's they're like not the going to riches when they're full. Yeah, it's insane. So like his, like, yeah, he's gotten worse since the jazz. His injury was insanely devastating, but he's still good. And I think, you know, he sliced up the Pacers in Indy this season with his off the dribble, off the bounce kind of mid range game that he had that night. I think he would be good and a good fit. The problem is, yeah, the expiring contract makes it scary to even swing for that guy. You know, keeping him with bird rights, especially in his home state, he's probably like the best player who you'd be like, oh, yeah, I actually think the Pacers can use their small market to retain him. But the thing is, he makes $30 million, right? So even if we talk about those those plotting salary guys you've thrown in a trade, you can't just use them to get him. You have to trade a Turner, a Sabonis, an Oladipo, a Brogdon to get the money to get him. And I don't think I or the Pacers would be willing to do that. So it's just an impossible valuation to get. So as I'm much more rosy on his fit than, than Aaron Gordon's, but I'd agree. It, it maybe next year is like a sign and trade with when Turner's only got two years left or something. I don't know. Uh, but I think right now that is probably not doable. Yeah. And so one thing, well, just kind of one last question off that for you, I guess it's, more of a philosophical thing, but what do you think? Ooh. What do you, in terms of looking at you know the trading between conferences? Because in, in don't care about it, that could really bolster uh, the Celtics, depending on who it is. But yeah, okay, so you don't care. I really don't care either. But I know, um, I, I mean, I don't know personally from GMs, but I just from hearing from insiders around the league, like that is a thing that some GMs really do consider. Uh, so I wonder how much that would factor into. But yeah, at the same time, I think the biggest thing is just making sure your own team is better. Um, but well, yeah, because you run into you run into the Rockets Thunder series this year, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, oh no, you know, we traded uh, we traded Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook within division, and now one of them's going to lose. It's like, had the Rockets lost, the optics of that would have been even worse than just oh, the man. trade in general. But yeah, I think if it makes your team better, I don't. You shouldn't unless it's like you're trading with the one seed and two seed in a conference. That's a little different, but that's. That's the only way I think it super matters is if you're helping the other team get better. But the Celtics and Pacers are on just enough different planes that I think you'd live with getting better at the expense of them also getting better. Yeah. Well, now, okay, so now that we're going to throw out some names, speaking of the Rockets, um, looking at – I don't know if you – do you follow, like, any of the athletic podcasts? Like, uh, on David Aldridge's podcast yesterday, Kelly Eco, who is the beat writer for the athletic who covers the Rockets – um, he explicitly said that, you know, and this isn't exactly like groundbreaking because it's been kind of in the works a little bit, but he said yesterday, if the Rockets do not win or do, or do not at least like get to the conference finals, in his opinion, then Maury and MDA are both gone and they're going to blow up the roster. Wow. Um, yes. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah. I don't know how much them making. I understand I, I MDA. Don't, I don't understand any, unless for t- for Ted has lost like I all think his money. Vegeta. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Um, and I'll have to tell you something after we get off this now. I think <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's interesting uh, because one, one guy who obviously I'm not going to say James Harden because they, the Pacers do not. Can I guess? Can I, can, can I guess? Is the yeah, guy I also guess. love? Is it Robert Covington? It is Robert Covington. My son. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Okay. Because perfect if you think fit about for it, the you could move too. like it. I already, I already checked the salary. So I did do this one. If you trade just like Doug McDermott, maybe you trade like, 
a young player too. Who knows? Um, and like he is so good. Second round pick Robert Covington would be perfect for this team. Like he's ex- not ex- the exact guy this team needs, but he's like a perfect fit because he doesn't take the ball in anybody's hands. He can shoot it, and he's going to raise your defense by quite a bit. And he's a good secondary passer too. He's not like great with the ball in his hands, but he's a good ball mover, which I think counts for a lot. The Timberwolves were just, like, selling him last summer. They were like, if you'll give us a top 20 pick, you can have him. And I was amazed by that. I know. I was really shocked that they did that. I think it'll work out for them in the long run. But, I mean, it's a big, big downgrade going from Robert Covington to Wancho Hernan Gomez. Um, he is so but, good. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would. I think nice. he would be great on the Pacers if they could get Covington. I Yeah. I think – so, okay, I never thought he was attainable, but I should listen to this podcast now because yeah, if the I'll Rockets shoot. are – the Rockets are blowing it up. I think that's one that you can maybe swing for because then everybody's prices are down. But that would be a wild team to blow up. I mean, that yeah. is expensive and stars and wow. that would Yeah, be he actually, he even said, he said outright, he's like, I think, you know, everybody talks about how the team would get blown up, but nobody talks about James Harden winning out. And he said he, he thinks it's a very realistic possibility that if they do not make it to the conference finals this year, um, I don't want to misquote. I don't know if it was just conference finals, but it, it was – um, what I, I would assume conference finals, not to put words in somebody's mouth, but you know, they've made it to the first and second round. Right. Um, lots. Where been yeah. at. And so it's, if they don't progress this year, um, James, I mean, he's been there for a decade now. Yeah. So he definitely won out. Um, well, which is crazy. I'll shoot you that podcast after. Um, but yeah, so I have a I guy. Definitely, I have oh, one yeah, guy. guy, the guy that he gets talked on on Pacers Twitter a lot. And I only have one reason I, I, I like the name. Like Covington, he can defend wings. His name is Drew Holiday. I do I know love Drew Holiday. I, now, I know a lot of the appeal in the Pacers' sphere is his brothers on the team. Understood. That would be sweet for me as a storyteller about the team to be able to dive in. and. That, and you, I would literally just every other thing I write would be about something, you know, like all three brothers played at the same time. They yeah. Yeah, it was like it, it would be awesome. It would be great. So I think the Pels have a lot of leverage on him, and he's probably unobtainable right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like the Warriors would be smarter than the Pacers to swing on him, who is you know on their last legs of a title run. But I just I I'm watching the playoffs, and I've said this on my own podcast, and it just it becomes more and more clear to me every series and every game as the Pacers are out. Just like the value of wing defense is so important, you know. Yep. The 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 Rockets almost lost because the Thunder had just waves of wing defenders who, even if they're not like household names like Lou Dort and Baisley and. Ferguson and Roberson, like none of these guys are good players, like in the aggregate, but they can all give you hell on the wing and it helps them fight the Rockets like crazy. And then every team still left in the final eight has good wing defenders. And the Nuggets almost lost despite being heavily favored against the Jazz because they were missing two good wing defenders. And they finally get Gary Harris back. And lo and behold, they win two games to close out the series. It's like, it's so important. And not that TJ Warren isn't. Taking huge strides on defense, yeah. but he's very overtaxed. Is the lead yeah kind of for sure, defender. and so that's why Covington, like you said, is so appealing to me. He can defend the wings super well, and Drew, he's a little shorter, but he's stocky, and he's defended twos and threes for the Pels for a while now. So if you have your wing defense all of a sudden being Warren Drew Brogdon, and you can throw Vic on the guard if he's still around, like I love that. Um, now, like I said, I think he's really hard to obtain because. It's, it's going to take more than just Turner. And I don't know how willing the Pacers would be to give up another first-round pick because uh, they, mm-hmm. they already gave up one for Brogdon. And it, might, it would take more salary, too. So it's, it's a really hard 
machination to create. But uh, Drew is the only name that I see that I go, wow, you know, that might be one that I think, okay, they can win a series if he is in that starting five. But I don't know how you get him. That's yeah. the hard part. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not my job. Too, because you'd think, you know, a lot of times if a team's going to trade a first-round pick, it'll be this year's pick just because you're like, okay, there's more certainty. We know where we're at this year, where we're right. going next year. Um, because of the Stepien rule, the Pacers cannot trade a first-round pick until 2022. So right. that is a little bit murkier because you don't really, don't know where the team's going to be at then. Obviously, it's only two years out, so you're still hopeful, but – um, you never know what it's going to be like year to year. Um, and that's interesting too, because one thing I've thought about as well, everybody always mentions the um, miles and, and cap filler for Drew. Um, I don't know how willing the Pelicans would be to just bury Jackson Hayes on the roster after. Yeah. I'm not super high on him personally, um, but I, I don't, I, I like after spending a lottery pick on somebody, I don't think that they would be uber willing to do that, but you never know. Um, but I agree. Drew would be enticing. I, one thing I do wonder about with running a three guard lineup, I really like that. And I think the move for this team going forward is getting to play TJ at the four. Um, yeah, I agree. Because I think him getting more on ball opportunities is going to be more efficient or just better for him at the four. He's better at beating bigger guys off the dribble. Um, so I would be more confident in that. And I think he's better defending up at, at the four a little bit too. Um, but I like the idea of Malcolm is – at his best defending threes, in my opinion. I think he's way better at guarding up a position than guarding Yeah, up. I agree. Because they're not as fast. His lateral yeah. speed's not like that when good. I, I figured that out about five games in when we lost the Pistons twice in a row and Derek Rose <laughs> murdered. Torched him. him over and over. Oh, God, it was rough. Um, and Vic is like, he's pretty decent chasing smaller guards, but I actually would probably throw Drew on them because um, I think Vic really, as we saw, and it actually kind of like shot the Pacers in the foot a little bit. Um, you mentioned it on your, your podcast and I talked with Caitlin about it, but um, playing Vic on, on Duncan Robinson was just weird because Vic is a really good roamer. He's phenomenal off ball. And the one guy on their team that we did not want to roam off of or play off ball was the guy that Vic got stuck on. So that was, that was interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I think adding Drew Holiday to this team, uh, he can do some stuff with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's not like a great shooter, but I think he'd be better if he had, guys who were driving and kicking around him because that wasn't really a thing in New Orleans this year. Um, he would be phenomenal. I would love his fit on this team. Yeah, I think that that's one that's really appealing to me. It's the only guy I've really dug into. You know, there's some, like, guys that are going to be possibly available that I think are good, but I haven't really analyzed value and fit. You know, Kelly Oubre, Buddy Heald, that level of guy. But Drew's the only one that I've gone, oh, you know, that might be that might be the move if that becomes available. Yeah. But, it, it's kind of early because pre the end of the playoffs, you don't really know where every team's direction is headed and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And I think knowing the coach will help in these discussions too. But I think where we're at now, we've nailed, I think a lot of the high profile, you know, if this guy got moved, it would make sense for X, Y, Z reason, because we know enough about where the Pacers are at now. And it's really interesting to look around and, and see like, wow, you know, Kelly, Kelly, Oubre, I never would have thought of that name if the Suns weren't eliminated and, and, it's hard for me to go, oh, well, now I want to wait, especially because I didn't even know this stuff about the Rockets, right? Like, what, where does that make you think in a couple weeks? Or, you know, what, what do the Raptors do if they lose uh, in a couple of days? So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot to look at. Well, uh, Tony, thanks for coming on, man. This was fun. Uh, what, what are you working on and where can people find you at? Yeah, I'm doing way too many words on Kevin Pritchard's press conference. I'm well over 2,000 and not close to done. So I got to do a lot of paragraph cutting, my least favorite activity in the mm -hmm. world. Um, and after that, it's, it's fever time, I think, uh, probably just dits around in the tip, 
dip my toes in the coaching uh, search every once in a while. But uh, looking forward to a little bit removal from a uh, 13 to 14 month coverage season. So, yeah, it's been a long uh, season. I'm kind of ready. Give me a nice little little September break. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, uh, Tony, thanks for coming on. For everybody listening, please be sure to go rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify. Be sure to go check out Tony's work you know, everywhere and, and listen to Locked on Pacers. I'm sure you listened to it already. Um, and have a good rest of your day.